Hiya, pals. Welcome to the Let's All Geek Out podcast. We're here today to talk about Disney. Mouse ready, mouse set. Here we go. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode four of Let's All Geek Out. We are your hosts, Mia, Julian, and Chris. And this week, we will be talking about Disney Snow White and the Seven Doors. Stick around. <laughs> What have you all been up to this week, Chris? Oh, it felt like a really short week because of the holiday, but it was a lot of working, and I actually picked up and finished the campaign for the Avengers uh, that just came out last week. How long was it? It took me twelve hours altogether, that's and no, and that's skipping out on all of the the side missions and just really just doing all the, like the, the main Avengers stuff. And like I wrote about it on my uh, my personal blog too. Like it's it's fine. It's it's fine. It's it's super flawed, and it's it's disappointing that uh, in 2020 that we have games that with like that level of notoriety of like Marvel's The Avengers and the game coming out, and it's not a movie tie-in, so you don't get that excuse. And it's just all right. It's it's fine. It's it's okay. <laughs> but. Some of the character models, man. He doesn't sound That did get much better from the beta. Um, and I th- think there's... And this could be its own separate thing for it too, but like, I I do think they made some improvements from the beta and from the initial artwork to the final product where they don't look like the Marvel Cinematic characters anymore. The problem I have with it, though, is that there's times where they do make a reference to the films, like there's a line of dialogue or a gesture or an action that do harken back to the films that immediately takes me out of it and makes me just like, look at like somebody like Thor or Iron Man and be like, you're trying to do your best impression of like Robert Downey Jr. or Chris Hemsworth. And this is not working in your favor. Like it's very little split second things, but Oh, it just, it took me out of it so bad. Um, And it's glitchy as all hell too. Yeah. I've I've seen a lot of uh, stuff about it and I I, I ran it to play through the, campaign but i don't see buying it you know what i mean not right now i would either uh wait until more of the dlc comes out because again for 12 hours to get through the main campaign that's a couple of days of just solid binging it and then you're caught up and then starting to play the the new content to see if it's any good or not or waiting it's a crystal dynamics game it's like tomb raider and and rise and shadow it'll go on sale like really quickly like i unfortunately got it for free yeah so it was you know, for me, the price is right, so I'll, I'm fine with that. How'd <laughs> you get it for free? Just buying a new monitor or what? I traded in uh, one of my monitors that I was using before when I was streaming. Uh, a friend mm-hmm. of mine, uh, Lance, has just started Twitch streaming, uh, twitch.tv slash no earthly clue. And he needed a second monitor. And I decided, like, you know what? I have a, a really good one. Uh, I will trade you my monitor for a copy of Avengers on Steam. And boom, there we go. Bam, and just like that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, every day after work, uh, start uh, putting a couple hours into that. And when I'm not doing that, I'm either reading Dune or watching the Dune trailer over and over again. <laughs> I still haven't even watched that trailer yet. I don't. I haven't even seen the original. Oh, after this uh, recording's done, we are absolutely watching that trailer then because it's it's pretty amazing. Oh yeah. No, I'm down to watch it. I mean, I just don't. I wouldn't understand the context of it, right? To be like, oh shit, they did that. <laughs> but you don't, you don't have to. It's just excellent. It's just really intriguing and super well done. 
Oh, it's coming out, what, uh, December? Something like that, yeah. But yeah, it was good enough to make me want to read an 800-page book. So if that's any indication. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> you got plenty of time, right? Yeah, no kidding. I'm a very slow reader, though, so I'll like, I'll be done about six years after I die. <laughs> He'll be done with the book after you watch the movie and the sequel. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, but overall, that, that's been me, though. So, um, Julian, what about you? I did it, man. I successfully liberated feudal Japan from the You be Ghost of Tsushima. I did. I was so fucking excited man i mean every time i start playing that game i always end up like all right i'm gonna go through the story i'm gonna finish it off and then i start going along also there's a base oh let me just finish that real quick and oh this base connected to another base part of a storyline oh follow that and you know what i mean i get sidetracked and all of a sudden i'm chasing foxes down a fucking cliffside you know three hours later i'm like oh i didn't even do the story mission and then i gotta <laughs> get off to do something else you know and so today i was a uh, it's kind of a slow day for us and stuff so uh, I was like, you know, I'm going to play it and I'm at least going to finish the side stuff. So the next time I play it, I can just burn through. And then I realized like I didn't have that much side stuff left. And so I did a couple of them and then I capped out. Like I hit max level, I, all my gear and everything's all maxed out. So I'm like, there's nothing else to do but finish the game at this point. <laughs> so I hunkered down and was like, all right, you know, it's probably took me a couple hours. And apparently I was like three missions from the end. <laughs> So I finished it in like a, you know hour, and I mean that game was just great the whole whole way through. And the the main story plot, I mean, it's pretty basic, right? But the underlying ties to like all the characters and stuff that you meet is just it's fucking superb storytelling for you know where we're at with with console games and stuff. Uh, it's definitely a good send off to the end of the generation. So I'm gonna go back now and finish off the uh little bit of stuff i didn't like all the collectibles and all that i'll get the platinum on it and then uh, it's on the tony hawk and that's why another reason i was trying to burn through it because i told myself i'm not going to buy tony hawk until i finish ghost tsushima because i want to focus (laughs) on beating it if not i'm gonna be like oh you know what i got 10 minutes and then i'll start playing tony hawk instead of ghost tsushima and then all of a sudden i'm on my playstation 5 being like oh yeah i was halfway through that game you know yeah, finish it off nice, you know, done, dusted, instead of, like, leaving it halfway through. That's a good way to do it. Well, I, my backlog is so bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a note in my phone of, like, unbeaten games, and I told myself I wasn't going to buy any more until I went through it, and then I beat two of them, and then I bought, you know, four more. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I lie to myself all the time, too. That's cool. <laughs> I'm like looking at my list. I have uh, uh, Final Fantasy IX, which I have on the Switch, Final Fantasy X and X2, which I have on PlayStation 4, Dead Cells, Ultimate Alliance 3, Breath of the Wild, the Bloodborne, that Crash Bandicoot Collection, eight of the Kingdom Hearts fucking games. Oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> Man of Medan, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Mega Man uh, X Collection. Yeah, I don't think you're supposed to start with uh, Tony Hawk then. I think you need to just finish all of those first before you do that. Yeah. So, like, that is like 7,000 hours of gaming. And that's I just know. Red Dead. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but every time I play Red Dead, like, I, I oh, and I got to add Horizon Zero Dawn to that because um, I'm halfway through that too. Every time I, I start playing Red Dead, though, I just get, there's too much, I, I feel like. There's too much to do. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, I to where I too. can't just sit there and, and run through and run through the story. I mean, it's a rock star game, right? So there's not just like a here's the beaten story path. There's you beat one story mission and then six of them open up that are all 30 minute missions that you have to beat to progress the story one step further. <laughs> so it's, yep. it, Red Dead Redemption is like, it's, it's just too massive for me right now. <laughs> I need to be like at home recovering from a surgery and have nothing to do for like the next three months to beat it really. <laughs> yeah. That's how you normally swing through quite a lot of games. Yeah, so like, I mean, Final Fantasy Nine on my Switch, it's I'm like three quarters of the way through, you know. So a lot of these, I'm real close to beating. It's just finishing them out. But I'm gonna buy Tony Hawk tomorrow. So <laughs> uh. <laughs> nice. Hit that old school soundtrack, you know. But uh, oh, so good. Aside from that, it's it's been a pretty quiet week. Like Chris was saying, with the holiday, everything kind of flew by. You know, I kind of stayed off of uh, social media and internet for the most part this week just trying to like focus on what i gotta do and just and all that stuff and prepping for the podcast but that's been a nice nice relaxing week i'm gonna attempt to go hiking uh tomorrow we didn't end up going last weekend because uh, all the smoke and everything um i guess it was real bad where we were gonna start so i don't want to take the the baby up there but now it's pretty clear up from what i'm hearing well, that's wonderful because I was actually uh, about to ask you guys how you're coping with all the fires going on there. Uh, let's manage it. Where I'm at, it's just it's remnants of smoke, right? So it's just consistently mm. shitty. Like our air quality on the cleanest day in California is the worst in the state. So it's oh, just goodness. it's just magnified with this this smoke. I mean, everyone's kind of got like a little bit of a cough and stuff, and you know, just best as we can i mean chris is up there more closer to the the uh, hot zone than i am yeah and it's it's been an experience here i i like growing up in texas we never really had to worry about air quality stuff we always had to worry about the aquifer levels so how often can we water our yards or you know wash our cars things like that this is the first time where i've lived somewhere and they were saying like you should not leave your apartment <laughs> and yeah that freaked me out like i bought my first uh, air purifier this week too and i like uh, for the weekend like i stocked up on groceries before the air quality got even way worse because we were predicting at the time of this recording that it like the air quality scales from zero to 500 zero being it's perfect absolutely no toxins no anything mm. in the air up to 500 being like if you go outside you have to have like a gas mask on oh goodness me well okay <laughs> And it was supposed to be around like the 470 to 480 range, uh, like right now. I was like, oh my God, this is freaking me out. So you guys are going to start looking like uh, the cast of Chernobyl walking around in the streets, basically. Oh, yeah, exactly. Kind of. <laughs> um, we got really lucky, though, because I woke up this morning and looked outside. I expected to wake up to a red sky again and was really fortunate to see that that wasn't the case, that it was actually, it still wasn't great. It was like in the 100 range, which is still not healthy. Mm. But it's not like where if you have like respiratory or cardiac problems, which thankfully I don't have, but I also don't want to risk it either. Yeah. Um, it's not nearly as bad as, as it was initially saying it was going to be. But yeah, it's just all part of just how 2020 is just fantastic. Yeah. Best year ever. Yep. <laughs> what a time to move to California too, Chris. <laughs> you went over here there's a Good pandemic Lord. and then the state's on fire and it's like welcome to california <laughs> yeah. and then they're taking three quarters of your paycheck <laughs> oh, <laughs> <fuck>. so 
a friend of mine actually texted me saying that he uh, asked to use me as a reference for an apartment or for a house that he was wanting to rent. I was like, yeah, of course. And he was showing me the uh, the photos and it's gorgeous. It's I wouldn't even call it a house. It's more of like a mini mansion. It's like five bedrooms, four Ooh. baths, um, like 3,700 square feet, something like fairly good size. And it is actually $600 cheaper than what I'm paying right now for rent <laughs> for my 400 square foot apartment in Santa Clara, California. Jeez, man. Yeah. It's just like, wow, this is, I said, I love my apartment. I love the fact that I can afford to live where I am, but at the same time, it's like, oh my God, just knowing where my, the money I'm making here could be spent in anywhere else in the fucking planet. <laughs> yeah. Would get me like a house without breaking a sweat. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Hey? I mean, it, also, if you think of people in New York, for example, I mean, some people don't even have a window that actually has a view. Like, if you, if it has a window, it, like, is staring straight at the next building. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to live like that. I, I would not like that very much. No, or, like, a million dollars for a parking space or something New York like City that. is a yeah. trip, man. Like, I went there, I don't know, seven years ago or so. Uh, for like a day trip, I was I was on the East Coast for some other stuff, and like I mean, watching on TV, yeah, it's got the big old skyscrapers and shit like that. But actually being there, like going through this, it's like such a concrete yeah. jungle, and and we went through um, and went over by where the World Trade Center was and all that, and we were checking out the um, the little reflection pool that they put in and then we went up to freedom tower and stuff like that but as we were getting closer to the where the world trade center was like it just added a whole different level to that whole experience about like what that must have been like like when you see the smoke and the dust and all that stuff from the buildings coming down on tv like it looks crazy right but when i was watching it on the west coast i was like oh shit like this is crazy but then being there and seeing how tall those buildings are and just imagining this fucking dust cloud of just, just flooding these skyscrapers. Like, it was insane, man. I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Um, no, I can believe it. Absolutely. So while you were talking about that, uh, the, the fires and stuff like that, I'm like looking at the map on uh, Cal Fire website right now, and there's just the whole state's red, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's especially bad up there. Like, there's one to the north and one to the south of you, Chris. Yay. <laughs> <And> <laughs> on a positive note, the one to the north of you is 96% contained, and the one to the south of you is 0%. So <laughs> <laughs> the side balances out nicely. It really does. Like, So I could just be in a constant state of... Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm, I, you might, I might be able to go outside today. <laughs> That's the state you're in all the yeah. time. Yeah, I have, I've not left my apartment in the last... Let's see, it's 11.30 right now. 28, 29 hours. That's rough, man. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I have not even gone outside uh, on my patio or anything. Nothing. Jeez. You just have to stay there. <laughs> Yep, like I said, I played through Avengers and start, read some Dune, and I actually I discovered a guy on YouTube. Like he's been around for ages, and I never paid attention to him until it was just something like that just randomly popped up as a on autoplay. The Nostalgia Critic. Hmm. No, I haven't heard of him. And yeah, he's really good. It just it's exactly what it sounds like. He just reviews uh, older films and just does a really nice, funny critique to stuff. Uh, and it's I'm just really surprised. Like I, as as much as as often as I have heard of the guy, I just never sat and watched it. 
And it's like really kind of blow, blown with just how funny the guy is. And like he does do, I think calling it a gimmick is not fair to it because it's so much more than that. But he actually ends every one of his videos by highlighting a charity or a nonprofit that you can donate to to kind of help out with whatever's kind of going on. Oh, so that's very cute. Yeah. Like his most recent videos uh, are obviously going to be about COVID stuff and COVID relief efforts and all that. Um, but prior to that is a lot of stuff for uh, helping out kids or helping out uh, refugees and stuff like that. Like genuinely seems like a good dude. Oh. So and his videos are really funny too. Like I, I like burst out laughing on more than a couple of these. <laughs> oh, I'll have to check it out, man, for sure. Yeah, his, his Venom one had me bust out laughing. But that's the thing is that with uh, watching YouTubers or Twitch streamers, for me, half the time I don't even care what the content's about. I, it's it's about them uh, interacting with, uh, for, for example, especially on Twitch, people who's interacting with the chat and uh, who just make these wide cra- wisecracks when they're playing a game or just being sarcastic about something. It's, it's, more, about, it's more about them than what they're playing or what they're doing mm-hmm. that I find very entertaining. So, um, yeah, I think to be a successful Twitch streamer, you need to interact with your crowd. I think that's like the number one rule, you know, to to make it. Oh, oh yeah, it's, it's like three quarters. You have to be entertaining, right? <laughs> the, the one exactly. quarter gameplay. Right. Which is why I failed as a Twitch streamer. <laughs> I um, I watch a lot of YouTube and stuff too. So if you guys ever get on there and got a, extra time or whatever, um, there's a guy called John Solo that I've been watching lately. And he does origin videos of like – it ties in with our episode today. He does origin videos um, of Disney characters and, and stuff like that or – even I'm looking through his stuff right now. There's a sh- video about Shrek, right? And it's all the messed up origins about where these characters were actually originated from. Oh, that's super messed up. And yeah. what got me like uh, real deep into it was I was watching a video on uh, Maui from Moana. I didn't know that he was like a Polynesian demigod. <laughs> like the mm-hmm. whole story of his stuff is completely – I mean it kind of in line with like the Disney movie, right? But it obviously goes a lot farther than that. Uh, and then I kind of got in the rabbit yep. hole of like – that one, I started watching one about like Mulan and uh, Little Mermaid and Coraline and stuff like that. So if you guys get time, John Solo on YouTube is it's really good for that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. No, definitely make a note of that to go check him out. Sounds fun. Yeah, something to do tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> While you're stuck in your apartment. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just to get back on topic here, I mean, it's, it's been a pretty quiet week. Just kind of keep my head down and going. So uh, what have you been up to, Mia? Well, this week, I actually did quite a bit of work um, being busy with a presentation and an itinerary for Poland and Russia. I am so excited, like you cannot believe. Um, so it's actually quite nice every time I, I speak to the client, we both get so excited and we get like goosebumps and we're like, no, this is going to be the best trip ever. So <laughs> that's awesome. So, <laughs> I think he was just expecting a normal travel person and then he got me, you know, and um, it's a historical tour for school groups. So they're going to be very much focusing on history and what uh, specific places uh, around that topic so then I was just like oh goodness this is going to be so amazing and you know so getting psyched out with the client was a lot of fun and then last night we went to a housewarming and we had a, a braai or barbecue and ate lots of delicious food drank wine and, and then this morning I was feeling slightly sorry for myself <laughs> so yeah 
after this podcast, I'm getting back into bed, just saying. So <laughs> that's dedication right there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was, I was saying to Chris like no I felt like kind of really iffy this morning and he's like no it's a sign that I'm getting old so you know yep because that happens to me too now like I don't necessarily wake up hungover now but I wake up like I had like eaten a lot of like spicy foods now like I that's how I get heartburn now is oh, yeah. <laughs> yes yeah yeah oh, that was horrible I was like and hangovers aren't like, uh, they're not like a one day thing and then you're fine the next day. It's like a, you have a pounding headache and you feel like complete shit the first day. And then the next two or three days after that, you just don't feel right. <laughs> like, yeah, but I mean, I never used to get the hangovers at all. I mean, I could drink full over and then the next day I'd be like chirpy and then be like, yeah, hey guys, you know, and I'd be completely fine. And now all of a sudden, for some reason... Like after three beers, I start feeling slightly tipsy. And then after that, I'm just like useless. Mm. So yeah, that's age. Yeah. <laughs> totally age. Finally caught up with me. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's the only exciting things that I did this week. So with that all taken care of. So let's start talking about Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You guys ready? Yep. Yep. Okay. So ready. Okay. So I'm just going to do like a little brief synopsis of the Disney version of it. So basically the plot is that Snow White lives with the her. End. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> basically. Snow White exists in the end. <laughs> <laughs> so Snow White lives with her evil stepmother, the queen, who has an obsession to keep looking in this creepy mirror and ask it like mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? That is what she says, right? No, no, that's that's in the Berenstein oh. universe. We're in the Berenstein universe, so it's magic. Oh, it's magic gosh. mirror on the wall. <laughs> yes. Who's the fairest one of? Them? Yeah, that's the thing. It's so it's so ingrained uh, of what you just said, Mia. But yeah, that's not that's not actually the line. What is the line? Who is the fairest of them all? No, no, the the rest of it's right. It's the beginning is magic mirror. It's not mirror mirror. Oh shit! You're right. Just like the that is very Berenstein Berenstein, hey? Yeah, I remember it as mirror mirror on the wall. I think everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mention it, that is something that I noticed when I watched it the other day. I'm like, huh? Interesting. When when it's like the director's cut. (laughs) (laughs) When I was watching it on uh, yesterday for for this podcast, I had to pause it on the part when the dwarves are leaving the mine you know and they're like hi ho hi ho it's home from work we go i was like wait what the fuck <laughs> i said yeah they, they used to just say off to work and it blew my fucking mind and then yeah. I was watching it. later on they sung it you know it's off to work when they're leaving their house and i'm like well that makes a lot more sense but <laughs> i thought the song was only saying one time and it was when they said off to work yeah, there's all these little things that you only notice now after like actually paying attention to the movie, which is kind of freaky. Yeah. So yeah, Chick looks in the mirror, asks who's the prettiest, and then it turns out it's Snow White. Queen doesn't like that very much, sends a, a huntsman to... That was the weirdest though also. So she was in rags, you know, washing the steps and yeah. everything and then she was like all dressed up when she went to go pick flowers mm-hmm. you guys know just because well. yeah 
So, so the queen sends the huntsman, tell Snow White, go accompany her, have her pick wildflowers, and then bring me her heart. You know, because she was like, <laughs> yeah. sure she did. And um, yeah. picking flowers, everything, the dude just couldn't do it. And he's like, run, child, run, and never come back. For some reason, I got flashes to the Lion King uh-huh. <laughs> when yeah, he said those words. <laughs> Run, Simba, run! Never return! You know, so I had sort of <laughs> a moment if you like come that. Back, we'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the chicky, okay, so obviously the huntsman, then, you know, chicky go run. And then she runs, but for some reason, she, again, I don't know if this is just the trauma of what just happened to her, that she was almost killed. She's running through the forest, but the forest is technically still just a nice forest, but then it turns into, like, a corner of hell. You know, it's dark and gloomy, branches grabbing at her dress, eyes peering out of nowhere. You know, she falls into the water, and it, and the logs look like crocodiles, and it's just, like, kind of messed up. I was like, wow, I obviously blocked this out as a child because it was actually very scary yeah i sure as fuck didn't block that out that that has stayed with me forever <laughs> so you <laughs> always focus on all the bad stuff <laughs> yeah because they're fucking terrifying <laughs> like that movie just went real dark real fast it's like oh here's a girl just singing singing in the well with the echo that is selective, mind you. <laughs> it doesn't repeat everything she's saying just when it needs to. Uh, and then it's like, oh, it's all nice and lovingly. There's a prince singing and stuff with her. And then all of a sudden it's like, go kill her and cut her heart out. Okay, yeah. well, no, that's not going to happen. Let's go to some evil dead forest shit. Because <laughs> Disney did not give a fuck if you got nightmares or not. <laughs> But yeah, so so eventually she just flops down because it was just getting too much for her, and you know, so she, so when she flops down, it's still dark and evil, and then she's crying, and all the the little woodland animals come to her, and then it's all just the normal forest again. That was just kind of weird. Because yeah. she, I think at that point, then she's kind of calmed down, and or at least she's had the panic attack, and then <laughs> now she's able to wake up and kind of see like, oh, it's not that bad. Like you just had a very natural reaction to finding out your stepmom wanted to kill you because you're prettier than her. <laughs> yeah. Jealousy to a whole new level. <laughs> right. But what was so cute to me is like how she, she, when she realized that everything is kind of okay now, she sits up and she's like, oh my, I didn't mean to scare you. I mean, she just, like you said, she just had this massive trauma and now she's embarrassed about her reaction to stuff. And then she just claps her hand and then everything is hunky-dory again. So it's like, okay. Um, yeah, you just bury that shit deep. Just just bury it deep down and just let it explode <laughs> at Thanksgiving like everybody else does. And she's apologizing like to the bird. She's like, I'm sorry you saw me have a panic attack because I was yeah. almost just murdered. I will try not to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Therapy, what's that? <laughs> but basically, then she ends up at the, the little house of the dwarves. They kind of accept her. Evil witch finds out she is still alive, comes, gives poison apple. She then basically is quote-unquote dead lies in a glass coffin next minute prince charming comes along kisses her boom happily she wakes up the end yeah <laughs> so <laughs> that's the entire plot of the film <laughs> that, but it is also the kind of how the pacing was 
So obviously like, the the you forgot about the most the, there's the most pivotal moment though is when like I can't believe you forgot about it when the dwarves are washing up for dinner <laughs> at twelve fucking minutes. That is That's the, off the movie. That is yeah. the moment that moves the whole plot along. Yeah, <laughs> like it like, just it stalls out after she gets done with her panic attack, and it only picks <laughs> up steam again when fucking Dopey is spitting out bubbles. That's the key to get it going again. Right. <laughs> Which I laughed at that part. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so Chris, when you first saw the movie, way 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 back when. I mean, what, <laughs> what is what 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 was your feeling of remembering this movie? Because obviously, when I thought of Snow White, I mean, I wasn't thrilled about watching it again. I had, um, I felt like it annoyed me when I was smaller. Like I didn't like, I didn't really like Snow White. I didn't enjoy her very childlike naivety. I didn't really like that. I couldn't, as a kid, when I was watching, I was like, oh, this is really not doing it for me, you know. So thinking back, my memories of Snow White was not that great. But how did you guys remember Snow White? Uh, I just remembered her as uh, annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in 2020, it still held up. <laughs> she, she is the least, I know the whole story is supposed to be focused on her and everything like that, but she is the least appealing person in that movie. Just because there's no character development, there's no nothing. She's just kind of floats along the whole time. And I had a way better time in that period of time when the dwarfs were initiated to when she wakes up. Like that period of time when they're heavily involved, that's the best part of the movie. Anytime that she's there, it's just kind of like, eh, whatever. And she doesn't look done. Like, I know it's, it's, it drives me crazy. The animation for that movie, when I was watching it again, I was like, uh, like the prince looks detailed. The queen definitely looks detailed. The, the dwarves. Very, I mean, very detailed, yeah. That, that matches to today's kind of stuff, right? But then she just doesn't look done. Like, her face, her eyes are never open. Her, she's got too much blush on her face. She's just kind of staring off all the time. <laughs> it's like they ran out of budget on her face. <laughs> See, I felt they, they did that with the prince too. I thought, uh, like, I agree. I think Snow looks, there's always just like that uncanny valley that they were, they were trying to go maybe hyper realistic but fucked up all the way. But I feel the same way with the prince too. Like, it, like the mouthing just looks wrong with the two of them the queen i think they nailed the huntsman even looks fine and the dwarves i think are, are masterpieces but snow and the prince just look like no nah, you just somebody did not know how to draw mouths back then back in the <laughs> 1930s <laughs> this drives me crazy just looking yeah. at her i like google pictures of her face right now and i'm just like looking at it <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, or maybe it's like beauty's in the eye of the beholder, so you kind of fill in the blanks what you want. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> you know, if that is how it I appeals think to it is. Because <laughs> when we when we talked about the film, like we have the preconceived notions of it, including dialogue, yes. like the songs that they were, that were sung, the dialogue itself, and how it looked. And then you see it again with fresh eyes as adults, or in my case, an old man. <laughs> And you just kind of start realizing like where all like the kind of the holes are, but also have to take into account. It's also the first animated feature film ever created too. So it's yeah. like, yeah, kind of. I mean, that she was as the first um, animated character to get a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame as well, if I'm not mistaken. I did not know that. 
I mean, for the time that it came out and stuff, the animation and everything is obviously like cutting edge. And even still to today's standards, right? It's still pretty fucking good. Uh, but <laughs> just the, the story gets a little funky, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, from yeah. 1937 when it came out. So that's not even when they started it. That's when it came out. So if you think of a normal animated feature where they work on it for like three years, this is a beautiful feat of engineering. And I think that, you know, for the first full-length feature film that is animated, they did a really nice job. But having said that, when I watched it again, I remember it looking a lot different. So this was obviously a remastered version that I saw because the colors were crisp, they were clear, uh, the the movements were, were smooth, even the dancing scenes and stuff like that. I mean, yes, it's the same dancing scene that Maid Marian did in, in Robin Hood. I think they just re- reused the motion capturing type of style and then just changed the characters to do the same movements. But no, I was actually quite blown away with how good it looked. But then again, this must have been a remastered version. But yes, the the backgrounds were beautiful, paintings, and oh no, it was just such a cute, and I loved the cottage. All the carved wood and all of that stuff, it really makes you think of like an old-time German cottage, which is, well, the German part of it, obviously, we have from the origins of the movie, which is based on a Brothers Grimm quote-unquote fairy tale, because their way of thinking of a fairy tale is, is pretty grim. You know, and I think that's where we got the words from. (laughs) But I'm not going to go into detail on that one because that one was quite a delight to read as well. So they obviously very loosely based uh, Snow White's story on that uh, Brothers Grimm version. But no, watching it again, um, I actually, she didn't irritate me as much as I thought she was going to. Her childlike innocence was very annoying, you know, way back when. But it was almost kind of sweet to see when she gets excited that she claps her hands. That's a huge, uh, a huge budget line for that movie, man. Yeah, it was a big gamble for it too. Like nobody was actually taking a, a full-length animated film at that time seriously mm. because who's ever done that before? It's, you know, it was always like the Silly Symphonies or, you know, like all like Disney's uh, like really, really early stuff. And to do something like what he did, it just had never, ever been done before. And to get it right the first time. Yeah, that's quite amazing. It is. Yeah. And watching it again for uh, for me, like it was kind of a weird te- test for me because like my, my earliest memories of watching it was not actually seeing the original film in its entirety first. I remember it as something that my parents uh, had rented for me as a kid, which was like this Disney like collection sort of thing, which had like vignettes of a bunch of other Disney films. Oh. And so my first exposure to Snow White was actually the scene, like the dancing scene uh, where all like Snow White and the dwarves are all just kind of fucking around after dinner. And like, that was how I first experienced it. And then when it actually came out in theaters, my mom mom took me to go see it. And like the stuff that I I watched, I watched it as like a five or six year old and it terrified me. Like the scene when she was in the forest was creepy because like i'm a kid who's like expecting like a dizzy thing and you expect that <laughs> in your head because i grew up with like mickey mouse and donald duck and goofy cartoons like i adore goofy cartoons so i have a mentality going into it of something along those lines just maybe higher caliber quality and then being scared shitless <laughs> of the forest scene and then seeing like I got to this day, I still have a weird issue with body horror stuff. Like when you see like one character transform (gasps) involuntarily into something else, like it does freak me out. So watching as a kid, the evil queen become the old crone on a technical level is extremely well done because it is, it's a very cool, like, you know, 
black magic witchcraft sort of moment. And to see her tr transition was terrifying to me again, too. Like her voice changed to being that yeah. old prone sound. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is her, like, there's no, like, good normal shot of her. It's always in these very terrifying poses. She's got the long nose and everything, too. And it just looks so gross that, as a kid, it terrified me up until, like, I was probably, like, 15. <laughs> that was such a good scene, too. It like, yeah. just, it, it's crazy, like, you look at, for a movie for, you know, 1930s, that it came out. They just held no gloves back when they're like, you know what? She's an evil queen, so let's just throw in black magic. Let's make it completely obvious that she's a she's a fucking witch. Yeah, <laughs> she's doing some, some straight up crazy shit outside of what she's doing right now. <laughs> and they do refer to it as black magic, as witchcraft. Yeah, and I was so like kind of freaked out um, when the queen tells the huntsman, "I want you to kill Snow White." Like you are telling him to kill a child. Yeah, it's like damn. Like I, I forgot. Like back in the '30s, like yeah, you don't give a fuck. Like we're in the middle of World War One and Two. Like let's just throw everything to the wall and see what happens. Um, it's just that different generation for it too, where just like no fucks were given in terms of like will this scar a kid or not? Because you couldn't pull that shit off now. Oh hell no! If it was gonna be like if they were to make that movie, it would be like I want you to you know take care of Snow. White. They'll they'll like allude to the idea that the Huntsman is going to kill her because anything higher than that then it immediately becomes a PG or PG thirteen film, and they're not going to do that. I need you to get rid of Snow White's problem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like they just wouldn't have done it. Yeah, Disney has now become so safe now with uh, their films, like doing like these live action remakes and stuff, that they wouldn't go as far as to say something like kill a child. Yeah. Maybe that's why that one's still on the, the shelf for live action remakes right now. Trying to find a way that they can, uh, you know, touch it up. They'll just make Snow White like 19 instead. <laughs> it's going to be Hocus Pocus. <laughs> kind of, yeah. How old was Snow White supposed to be anyway? Because I know in the in the other one, I think she was 11 or something when um, she first, the first attempt on killing her was happening. And then something like about 10 years that she stayed with the dwarves. Where with this one, everything seems to take place in like two days. So how old was yeah. Snow White supposed to be anyway? Consider it's the 30s and you got probably married when you were 15. <gasps> I'm going to go with 15. Well, I have no idea. I'm making that up. Apparently she was supposed to be 14. And she got married off at 14 then. <laughs> uh, I can I can see 14. I mean, if you look at that fucked up makeup on her face, I mean, no one <laughs> really knows how to do makeup at that age, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a strange thing, and the, the we kind of alluded to already for too, but like for an hour and twenty minute film, there's not a, actually a whole lot that goes on. Like Mia, your description of, of the entire film that is like our asides aside, it took us what like six minutes tops to describe the whole film. Basically, yeah, and I mean, I I was going into detail a little bit too much in the beginning there, but basically, yeah, but like. There's not a whole lot actually happens. with the exception of Grumpy. I don't think there's actually any character development at all. Like Snow does not start off like, you know, weak willed and scared. And then by the end of the film, she's super strong and self-confident. Like that wasn't the intention of the film. No. That's, not, that's more of a more of a modern day storytelling device now. But like Grumpy starts off where it's like, why the fuck are we taking this woman in? <laughs> like is, the queen is going to kill us. The queen will find her. Like she is a queen. She has an army. She has witchcraft and magic. We're all fucked if we keep her here. Why are we doing this? And then by you know the next day, she's like, "All right, it's fine." No, yeah. <laughs> like, actually does show like genuine care for her. I was like, "Damn!" Like uh, out of all of them, Grumpy's the one who actually got the development. Yeah, yeah. he did actually. 
Because he also yeah. wanted her, her to kiss his head before he left for work. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like he actually made it a point to like, oh, this is all nonsense. But like secretly he wanted the kiss. Yeah. yeah. Like it's <laughs> it, it's a little detail like that, but it, it goes a long way to actually give Grumpy some development. The other dwarves, fuck off. Yeah, no, there was nothing going on there. No. I was surprised at how quickly they jumped into the story. Like, obviously, it starts off with the book opening and, and saying, like, once upon a time, whatever. And then, basically, as the animation starts, it's the queen asking the magic mirror. That was, like, boom, into it. Yeah, like, I think they're just, like, there's... If if you take the Grimm st- story, you disnify it and take away all of this stuff that could be considered offensive, and then you just le- you're just... You're not left with much. No. <laughs> Like, and we'll get to later, but like the ending is a really clear example because the ending from the Disney film versus the ending of the Grimm versions, two very different fucking endings. Oh, very, yeah. very much so, yeah. But yeah, like, so that means you just, you don't have a lot of things to work with. So you have to do a lot of filler. So you have to have like Snow washing like the steps. You have to have her picking flowers for a long time, talking to a bird for no fucking reason, <laughs> to have the panic attack, to clean the dwarves house, to have the dwarves like wash themselves. To then spend a lot of time watching them all sleep. It's just a lot of fluff and filler for very little plot. I imagine what that storyboard like sessions look like, right? He's like, okay, so she's gonna maybe get killed and then go hang out with these dwarves and then they're gonna have an apple and then uh, she's gonna go to sleep and then get saved. It's like, okay, so how long is that gonna take? About eight and a half minutes. Okay, so we want this to be a full feature-length film, so <laughs> what else can we do? Well, we like bats. We like uh, dwarves hanging out doing nothing. Uh, we yep. like uh, Aquaman, so just throw her talking to animals in there. Just <laughs> yep. some filler. Uh, and she is shitty to those animals, too. She is fucking awful to them. <laughs> She's shitty to every, everybody when they're not benefiting her directly. Yeah. When, when they're taking her to somewhere where she can live and fucking be happy after almost getting murdered. She's like all about it. She's like, oh, come on, animals. Let's go. Let's do this, blah, blah, blah. And then the yeah. second the dwarf shows up, she's like, what the fuck are all these animals doing in the house? <laughs> Get them out yep. of here. <laughs> yeah, the, the second that she's done cleaning that house, she immediately lays down to take a nap. Like, have you ever been to a friend's place? Like when you're a kid and they're like, I'm tired. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to take a nap while you're hanging out with them. It's that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the animals are like, I guess I'm going to crash on the floor? Or I was like, you do what you want, man. I don't care. <laughs> you can still hang out, man. I don't care. I'm going to go take a nap for an hour, so I'll be right back. Yeah. Uh... I've had friends who do that before. It's super weird and awkward. And Snow did that to those animals. And I was like, what the fuck are we supposed to do now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all just standing there looking at her. Like, what the hell? Yeah. Like, I guess we're going to take naps, too. I guess. <laughs> so I guess we'll go back outside and be animals again. I mean, fuck us, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, even before that when they wake up and she's like i need a place to live because you know i'm homeless now it's like i can't live on the ground like you bunny or i can't live on a tree like you burr i'll be like fuck you like yeah no shit you can't live up here <laughs> like human what do you expect me to do sleep in that fucking lake <laughs> yeah that's when the turtle just goes like that's my fucking lake uh-uh <laughs> But also, also the weird, weird, weird thing, right? So downstairs they had just the kitchen by the looks of it, and upstairs was just the bedroom, right? Yeah. When she was sort of deadish, was she not upstairs in the bedroom? Because the animals were outside the house staring in the window at the bottom floor of the house, looking all sad. Yeah, she was in the kitchen when, when all that was taking place. Oh, was she in the kitchen? 
Yeah, because um, that's like she was like helping the the crone was outside, and the animals get all like, "Holy shit!" It's clearly somebody evil here, and she's like, "I'm a good judge of character. I'm gonna let her in." <laughs> <laughs> this lady seems uh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think everything took place on the first floor, and then that's when the animals are like, "Fuck this!" Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> Let's go get the ones that actually pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Like we gotta go get those seven dwarves to go help kill this old lady. We think it's the queen. We're pretty sure. We're gonna, let's go get those ones and beat the shit out of this lady. Yeah. It's the queen. Like, okay, we're, we're going to go with that. Right. And that's the crazy part. Again, the, just the to- there's a weird tonal shift too. Cause like, they're all like, let's go get her. Like, and do what? Like, you're all like, it's clearly designed. Like you're going to kill her. That's regicide. You are going yeah. to, you're out to murder the queen for killing the wife. It's granted. Yeah. But it's like, damn, that's, that's a bit heavy. And then even then it's like, technically Grumpy was right. Like if we keep Snow White here, we're going to fucking die. They were about to die if it wasn't for like the lightning bolt at the very end where the queen is trying to like, like lodge the, the giant boulder on top of them. <laughs> If it wasn't for the lightning, if it wasn't for Zeus from Hercules kicking in right there, <laughs> those motherfuckers would all be dead. It's like that part in, in Hercules, you know, when he gets all excited, like toward the end of the movie, and he's just throwing the lightning bolts and stuff like that. That's where one of those lightning bolts went. Yeah. <laughs> Took the queen out. <laughs> But yeah, it was, it's such a, a strange film. Like the, the best way I can genuinely describe this film is that it's, to me, it's like the 1937 equivalent of our avatar or um, trying to think of like a, another like uh, modern film that's more of like a tech demo than anything else. But that's yeah. what it was. It like, I think that's why they have those scenes in there. Like the amount of detail that did go into watching the dwarves wash up or sleep in areas or even the scenes where you see like the animals, like the, uh, like going up and down stairs and the turtle being the yeah. slowest one a lot of these really intricate movements that don't serve the plot but just serve to show the audience look at what we can do with our animation wait till we do the next thing and i think that's really more of like its legacy than anything else but like it of course has like a couple of the major songs like we get hi ho which has been a staple for generations yeah. now to um my prince will come whistle why you work all that other kind of stuff oh no whistle why you works not that one but there's a lot of iconic moments from that film but as a collective film it is more just designed to show off the technology to show off this was the introduction of uh one disney's greatest of vengeance which was the multiplane camera where you have like multiple levels of animation stacked on top of each other and you can adjust the distance between each frame of it so that way you can have zoom in effects and panning effects. So it looks more like a cinematic film, which is genius. It's a genius piece of te- technology that really did legitimize animated feature films. But that's really what it was for. It was really just to show off. Then it was to actually tell a good story. But it was beautifully done, though. So, I mean, it, although the oh, yeah. storyline is a bit like, yeah. You know, because yeah. I know that um, redoing a lot of these uh, Brother Grimm, uh, Brothers Grimm movies, you know, that was a great source of information. It was a great source of stories that were available that people kind of knew because I'm sure these things were read and used as like, again, like lessons for kids or, you know, don't do this because, you know, then the evil witch is going to come and eat you, whatever. So I can understand, you know, because culturally that name would have already been around and then making a story would just add to the popularity of a movie. So because, I mean, if you think it's it's um, Snow White, 
you have Robin Hood. That's also a story that's millennia old. Um, so I like the fact that they use these, but but the thing is also it's not necessarily accurate because they Disneyfy it. Yeah, and that becomes where I think a lot of us get to know. Like, it wasn't until I was like, I think in college or something like that, or it was really, I think, more like the Avenue Wikipedia, where like you could just start looking at random stuff, and then you just happen to see like, oh, like I think we've all done that, where you accidentally get your your Wikipedia rabbit hole your yeah. way into like the Grimm's fairy yes. tales. And then you start to read these stories and you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. We're going we're gonna to do an episode in the future. I mean, that's pretty much on the board that we're talking about those fairy tales. Maybe after we get a couple of Disney films under the under the belt, we could go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, like Snow White, like Pinocchio, uh, Disney's second animated film, super fucked I up. I never liked uh, that. I never, ever liked Pinocchio. But then again, I didn't like snow white either watched snow white and i was pleasantly surprised and i actually enjoyed it at the end you know so yeah it was funny because i went and i i, I actually didn't want to watch the movie i was like oh do i really want to watch this movie because of the fact that i hated it so much as a child and when i watched it i was like oh this is so cute you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the animals are so cute in the way she when she found the cottage and she walked over the bridge she was skipping she was skipping mm -hmm. to the house, which yeah. was so cute. And I think one of the things, if I remember my Disney history correctly too, I think one of the animation styles that they used to do is they would hire live actors. They would dress them up like the characters and then ask yes. them to do things to get the inspiration for hand movements, to get uh, to get body movements done correctly and all that. Oh, yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's brilliant. I, th I think they started doing that. I know they definitely did that with Alice in Wonderland and I want to say Sleeping Beauty did that too. I have a strong memory of seeing uh, of an old black and white uh, footage of uh, of a woman dressed up as Snow White doing the same thing. Yeah, so after I watched the movie, um, when I was working out, I was deep diving into like the history and the making of it because I didn't know how far we were really going to go in this. Um, and that was one of the things that they brought up was in order for the animators to get used to drawing human movements and, and make it natural and stuff like that, Walt Disney brought in a bunch of uh, motion actors essentially – for them to practice drawing and everything like that. So there's tons of footage of people dressed up like Snow White. There's a guy that looks super creepy dressed up like uh, the witch with the, the hood and everything like that. I'll find the picture and send it to you guys. Right now. But yeah, that was one of the, the key staples of that movie and how they got such kind of like a realistic movement to them was they, they did a lot of drawing of motion actors and stuff. Which it's just, it, it is a real testament again, as a demonstration for it too. Um, like if it wasn't for this podcast, would I ever go back to watch Snow White again? No. Same. Uh, if I ever have kids, I would probably skip all the intro films and have them start with like the great mouse detective going forward. Oh no, really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like Moana or something. Like that's all the oh, great no, mouse no. detective. <laughs> and then going forward though, it'll eventually hit Moana. It eventually gets hit. <laughs> Um, but I, like, I still like my, my favorite Disney moments besides the animated shorts were still gonna be, I think the ones that, uh, that I grew up with. I grew up with like say, the great mouse detective, Lion King, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Aladdin, Hunchback. Um, little mermaid. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence with overall, but yeah, like I grew up uh, like even rescuers down under, which I think is super underrated. Like these are really good films. Like, and I think they have better character development and I would much rather have my kids start with those films. And then if they got interested in more of the history of where the other films came from, then go back to those and completely skip the live action remakes. When I went to watch this movie, I mean, I waited to the last minute. I was like, I don't want to watch Same. this movie. <laughs> I was like, I just yeah. want to just read Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. And 
and I tried watching it at work, like uh, while I was on my lunch break and stuff. And as I was watching the first couple minutes of it, uh, I had to do a couple things on the computer. So I looked up from it and was just hearing her doing the whistling. And while I was working, and I was like, I got to turn this off. Okay, that's not like the, like when I work, I like to focus and like listen to podcasts or music, something to keep me going. And Snow White whistling in my ear is not. <laughs> Wasn't adding to anything. It doesn't help you find your zen? No, not at all. Anything, I was like getting annoyed. I don't, I'm not a big fan of the music in this movie. Like when she was singing the Someday My Prince Will Come and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, come on now. Let's <laughs> just get it yeah. done. The thing is a little shrill. It's, for yeah, me. It's, it's very much a, um, a sign of the times because in the 1930s that was the style, yeah. of, like mm-hmm. the very vibrato singing. So it was yeah. very much a, a product of its time when it comes to the music part. But it doesn't really. It, it number one, it didn't age well. It it's sort of okay with the movie, but it is. Um, yeah, it's not. It's not entertaining. I mean, it's not like I'm going to listen to any of that on my own. You know. No. And, and even going back to like, f- like finish the movie. So Friday, like uh, yesterday when when we were going to record, I was like, okay, I have to watch this movie. Like I got to do it. So I was sitting there with my wife and I was like, I was like, you just want to watch this movie with me. I was like, just get it out of the way. And she's like, okay, fine. So we were watching it in the first couple of minutes. I'm like, okay, here we go. And then maybe right when she's in the middle of cleaning the house, um, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I fell asleep to my wife. My wife was just like, woke me up, you know, and, and we're talking for a second. And she's like, you want to keep watching this? Or like, and I'm like, let's just take a nap for like 30 minutes or so. <laughs> like, I need to get up so I can focus on this. We ended up sleeping for like two hours and then I woke up and finished the movie. But like, I, I was just so out of it watching it that I just fell asleep. But once I got back into it and, and finished the rest of it, right, like after the bath scene, the movie seems to pick up enough to where I, was, I stayed interested in it. I feel like that scene where they're all singing went on for entirely too long. Like when yeah. Grumpy's just playing the, the organ and he's just rocking out and stuff. I'm just like, oh my, oh my God, come on now. Yeah. And again, like when you think of it though as a tech demo though, that's where it gets suppressive because you see, again, you're seeing Grumpy playing the organ. He's using like his ass to, for like the, uh, like the pedal things too. Yeah. <laughs> And seeing like Dopey stand on top of Sneezy to to make the, the larger person so they can all dance together. Again, like I respect it more from a technical aspect. And once I kind of wrap my brain with the tech demo mind frame, I was way better with the film. Because again, it's just it's just designed to show off what they could do. Which again is impressive. Um when I <laughs> when I was watching that scene though, the one thing that like stood out to me was like how as I get older that Sleepy was the most relatable character in that fucking scene. <laughs> like, everybody's partying and having a good time and stuff like this, and he's trying so hard. Like, he's a, he's falling asleep, but he's like, wake up and like, yeah, we're singing, and then just kind of dozing back <laughs> off. And I'm like, that's yep. me every time I go somewhere. <laughs> yep. Just trying to hang out where you can hold on, but realistically, you're like, okay, if this stopped right now and I can go to sleep, I'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started to get me that way when I was in my twenties too. Like I'll go to a party and if I didn't know at least 80% of the people there, I was like, okay, how the fuck can I get out of here? <laughs> like how soon can I just start coughing to sound like I'm not feeling well? <laughs> like if somebody, the first person that said, Hey, you think I catch a ride? I'm like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
I was like, or if someone's like, hey, I, we need to get a, like do a beer run. It's like, I'll go. Fuck it. That'll kill a couple hours. <laughs> I'll just, all I have to do is just say like every store was closed in a 10 mile radius. I had to keep looking around and it just really, I just, I just like went home and like just watch something for a second. <laughs> this movie was definitely like a technical, uh, technical masterpiece of that time. And you can tell like by all the people and stuff that showed up at the, the movie premiere. And I didn't realize that that's where the origins of those really shitty Mickey and Minnie costumes came from. Oh, from the the premiere? Yeah, like I was watching that when I was watching that video. They got to the part where they went to the premiere, and Walt Disney's just looking like a boss with his scarf and jacket and stuff like that. And then he has this really shitty Mickey and Minnie with the cone noses and stuff, and <laughs> like the nightmare fuel looking stuff. And I'm like, good, just. Just don't even bring them here. What are you doing? Yeah. Someone looked at that costume and went, yeah, that looks fucking great. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you want to see something terrifying, like go watch the uh, the grand opening for Disneyland I, and see the Mickey and Minnie from that. That is, that's, that's nightmare fuel. It, it's messed up. <laughs> but again, back then, it's just like for if you were a kid who also grew up during that time period too, it's magical because like your imagination can fill in the blanks. <laughs> we've had a, like by the time we were all born, we've seen good animation. So going back to seeing the older stuff is terrifying at times. Now, if you look at Disney, like the Imagineers, the the way they create stuff, it looks exactly like Dumbo flew off the TV and you can ride him in a ride. That's how amazing it is now. And that's how far they've come. But back then, obviously, they didn't have the technology to make Mickey, the little mask of Mickey, to look like Mickey. That is so creepy. Uh-huh. I've seen those the, the footage of the grand opening. I was thinking to myself, I would probably have been traumatized. You know, if I had to see a yeah. Mickey Mouse mask like that. And, uh, you know, and I think it would have been horrifying for children even at that time. Because it looks nothing like the animated version that you've been seeing up to that point. Unless you had a really fucked up TV and you didn't quite see it <laughs> yes. just right. You're watching it through the fuzz and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, after watching it again now, what do you um, make of that ending? It is such a fuck you of an ending to me <laughs> w- watching that because it so like they do at least like tell the story that like some time has passed since the events like after the queen had died like they you see the seasons change while the uh, the writing uh, on the screen says you know like they they built her a cough a glass coffin because she was too beautiful even in death and but then like the prince just kind of shows up there kisses a corpse because as far mm. as they know she's dead not that she's asleep but that she is like stone cold dead and still kisses her it's anyway right is- from his side though yeah. But then she just wakes up and is like, oh, cool, I'm not dead. And oh, cool, there's that prince from <laughs> earlier. I'm gone. Fuck y'all. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's it. It just it just ends like that. It's like, fuck <laughs> you, got mine. I thought that same thing when he goes to like kiss her. Like, I was tell my wife when, when we were watching that part. I'm like, it's weird to me that, you know, she's been dead for a while. And he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to go kiss her. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I just got to get that last kiss in before <laughs> But I mean, the whole introduction to the prince in the first place was just kind of dodge anyway. Guy on a horse just saunters up to a wall where a chick is singing into a well, climbs over the wall and pursues her in her own back garden. That is just <laughs> yeah. also kind of like, what the fuck? You know, I would also be like, you know, running yeah. away, but no, he doesn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Creepy stuff, no, his name, <laughs> according to the credits, is just the prince. That's his name. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. It's super messed <laughs> it up. It reminds me in Shrek. <laughs> uh, I think it is the second Shrek where they go to like um, the palace where she grew up, where Fiona grew up, and, and Shrek was reading her diary. And then she, everywhere, everywhere she said like Mrs. Fiona Charming. So because his name was Prince and his surname is Charming, <laughs> so she was just writing everywhere Fiona Charming, and it is so that is so funny, and it, that makes me think as they got the idea, the fact that the prince was just the prince, the evil stepmother was just the evil stepmother. Yeah, they didn't have a name. Like, the only people who actually had names were Snow White, those seven dwarves, and that's it. The husband doesn't get a name, prince, the queen, nothing. Not even the, that uh, yeah. evil crow or raven that uh, the queen has. That no, is the nobody funniest thing to me. <laughs> Because it didn't matter. That wasn't the point. Yeah, it just shows you that the the story wasn't actually, you know, there was no substance to that apart from just um, using this story as a showcase. Yeah. And realistically, like the, the this is go, kind of going a little bit off too, but the second film is Pinocchio, which again, do, it does have better character development overall, but not by much. Then the next film is Fantasia, which that's just it, it, like a master. Like, same thing. It's a masterpiece. It's terrifying, but it's a masterpiece. But that's that's not really a film, more of a series of vignettes. But and then uh, the first one where I think where you start really getting a story is Dumbo. Yeah. But yeah, like Snow White had no plot. Pinocchio was more like a series of vignettes too. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. I I think it was just more of a, a at the time it's like they just didn't know what they were kind of going with. Well, as much yeah. as I don't really like the story, I do like the fact of uh, what it started. You mm-hmm. know, so kudos to yeah, Snow it, White anyway. And I mean, obviously, I haven't been to Disney Disney because I've never been to America. But for example, at, at Disney in Paris, Snow White is like one of the most beloved characters for little girls to meet. I mean, if the other princesses are around, if they see Snow White, they just like go apeshit. That's what it was here too until like eventually like with the uh, creation of like Elsa and um, uh, I'm trying to think maybe some of the more the, the later heroes. Uh, maybe, maybe, I think Moana too would probably be like a bigger deal for it now too. But um, the, the last couple of times I've been there, uh, it's pretty much been uh, still still the classic Cinderella and Snow White and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. and then they just kind of padded in some Marvel characters now with the licenses, right? So you can go yeah. meet Cinderella and then come around the corner and fucking hang out Spider Man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I still think it's just because of how iconic those, those characters have become. And I think it is just the the parts are more memorable than the actual entire experience at this point now. Yeah. Because yeah, the same thing it applies for all of us. Like none none of us really remember a whole lot of the actual film itself until we watched it this week. And even then, like it's not something that's gonna stay with us, but we're gonna remember bits of it though. We're gonna remember again the, the songs are gonna be stuck on we're probably stuck in our head for a little bit, or like a couple of scenes here and there, but the overall film, no. Yeah, because it's not that there's not that much to remember. I mean, literally 90% of the movie was uh the dwarves trying to come back into the house when they know that there's an intruder and then, you know, too scared to go up the stairs and find it. And then washing their mm-hmm. hands before dinner. That's literally like half the movie. Yeah. So it's more like the yeah. Seven Dwarfs and Snow White. They featured more than anybody else did. And I think that's that's kind of what they're going for the time too. Um, yeah, it's it's just, yeah, it, it is the sum of its parts uh, are, more, are much more important. This, this, the parts are more important than the completed project, yeah. I think. But yeah, that that ending was just like, okay, see you, fuckers, bye. You know. <laughs> yep. You know what it felt like to me is like watching uh, Avengers: Infinity War 
right? Like where everything happens and then it just kind of leaves you on that cliffhanger ending and you know something else, there's another movie coming for it, but there was no other movie that came. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn. I mean, and, and it's weird because he compared it against the Grim Fairy Tale, and I think it was on for uh, a tad bit longer than that, but it's more of a resolution in the uh, a, a Grim Fairy Tale as it is to the movie. And it feels like they kind of wanted to go that way, but then they're like, oh, we'll just stop right here. He just runs off once they were done. Yeah, because you, you can't have the Grim fa- uh, Fairy Tale in this version, too, because, again, like, it's just, it, it would go too dark for it, too. And again, just the implications that, of what that also would have meant to. And even if they went farther with the Disney version, because the dwarves are like, like I mentioned before, they're on their way to kill the queen. Like there is no <laughs> ifs ands or buts about it. Like they are. That is exactly what they're going to do. You can't have that. Yeah. So it's just, like you can get away with a lot of shit. Yeah, they but, just mm. because it was funny because obviously I watched it because I kind of morphed two stories in my head. So I was envisioning the ending of um, like Sleeping Beauty where the the witch turned into a dragon and was fighting the prince. I had that in my head. So when I... Yeah, so when they were climbing up and up and up and then all of a sudden she just fell off the cliff and I'm thinking, is she dead? You know, is is Like, oh yeah. Is is this where it ended? So I was expecting something way more spectacular. Meanwhile, she just slipped and kind of killed herself so technically no one is to blame for her death except herself so she because she was a horrible person she did did stuff her actions caused her to then cause her own demise kind of thing when she was climbing up there and those like crows were like looking at her and stuff i was like they're looking at her because she's gonna turn into a fucking dragon they're just like oh those dwarves don't know what they're getting into and then she just slipped and fell and it's like oh shit that's a completely different mood so i'll have to watch the other one anyway to see you know to get my dragon at the end fighting the prince so <laughs> right, so you could uh, mix the the first film and the sixteenth film together. Yes, because at least you have like with because Cinderella also had I think a bit more of a resolution because you do at least get to see them like have the happily ever after. I think Sleeping Beauty did a better job too with like actually having the wedding or having the dance at the end too, and then you yeah. still get to see that little twist of like the fairy uh, godparents are like changing the dress color over and over again too. It's like okay, that's those are some genuinely some nice touches yeah. for it. But like Sleeping Beauty's was just or Snow White's was just like. We're done, right? We're done. Uh, it's due tomorrow. Okay, fuck it. She's up. And we are out of money. <laughs> yeah. yep. Guys, that's a wrap. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Looks good, but we still got like twenty yeah. more minutes. Well, no, we're we're good right here. Just kind of. This cool. is this is fine. This is totally fine. <laughs> But what about the, what happens to the dwarves? They they will be fine. They will get their own ride at, at the park soon. <laughs> Everyone will love it. They're off to work again. Now, come on. <laughs> yeah. You just assume they just walked off singing to work. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. Is like, what would happen to them? Would they just kind of be like, all right, I guess let's go back to the mines then because we haven't been working for the last six months. So, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's just do that. And I think they had a lot of fun making this movie. You know, although I think it was very, very stressful. And I'm, you know, I don't even know how they... Um, you know, cut everything together because you had to basically record that stuff with a camera. So the each individual um, scene was multiple drawings that 
that did that. So, but it's so seamless. It's mm-hmm. it's done so well. So I mean, it's just really respect, you know. And that's why it was such a um, feat of engineering, even. But story, meh. Yeah, like and and for for me, like I said, it's this is like the the introduction to the concept of just of making a film more to just show off what you can do versus actually like trying yeah. to make a good film. But I'm glad that they you know eventually start to make more substance to their stories. Because, I mean, Disney is such a bubblegums and rainbows kind of thing. Um, for a long time, I mean, that was what, if you thought of Disney, that is what you... But then they started getting way more into stories that have heart and meaning and, you know, really make you think about life. And, you know, the, then it sort of started kind of getting into an emotional part of yourself that you don't really want to know. Because that's how I feel about uh, the Pixar movies nowadays. You know, you have to be so emotionally prepared <laughs> for a Pixar movie because, I mean, they just strum those heartstrings, you know, and make you cry. That's that's basically what Disney has turned into now. Brilliant, still beautiful movies. Um, way self-reflective, way heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. So it's like, wow. Uh, it's... It's always been such an interesting company for me because it's two companies almost when you think about it. There's the perception of what we of how we view Disney as a user and then the actual company itself for it too. Because I th- like I, I still to this day am very much a huge Disney fan. Like I, I find the company to be insanely fascinating. The amount of time and effort that goes into creating uh, these films. But at the same time, there is so much internal politics that has gone on over ever since its inception for it too. Like the mythos behind the character of Uncle Walt versus the actual Walt Disney himself oh, yeah. are two very, very different folks for it. And uh, like the the way these films were made and, you know, like rumors and, and possibilities in terms of like even Walt's own personal beliefs and just more, he was more of a man at the time that we want to give, like admit to and all the mistakes that they made over the years too and how they do try to just sort of adjust to those things too. And again, it's almost kind of like kind of makes you kind of think too, like how much of it is like genuine manipulation too versus not. And it's just, it, you can go, you can absolutely go down a thousand different rabbit holes absolutely. With, with Disney and there's, and there's no wrong, right or wrong answer for it. It is, it's still kind of ingrained in sort of like a personal reaction to like how of the stuff we kind of grew up with too. And like, how much are you going to let the cold hard truth behind maybe it was a, a film that you really enjoyed take away that from that your childhood from it? Uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I hear exactly what you're saying. Um, it's interesting because not even just the movies, um, especially if you look at like Disneyland, or Disney World. I mean, there's a reason why they say it's the happiest place on earth. It's because you are connecting with a nostalgic part from your childhood. And, you know, most of the small children, when they see these people dressed up as like Goofy or Donald or Elsa or whatever, they think it's real. That's what's so mm-hmm. sweet about it is like these children go absolutely crazy because they think it's real. And I mean, even when I saw the Disney parade, seeing all those floats and everything from uh, the Jungle Book movie float and stuff like that coming along, I was just like so in awe because here's your whole childhood coming past you with like music that you love and that you recognize and just making you all warm and fuzzy inside and i love it i think it's so absolutely amazing that's why i'm very very jealous that you guys are so close to disney anaheim <laughs> so <Yep>. you know <laughs> whenever it opens up again when when the world is open you're gonna be the first one at the gate I'll be the first one there so I can go to Galaxy's Edge and build my fucking lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's too. 
But yeah, that's what I just love about uh, Disney. And although, you know, this one started it all and watching it again, I was actually surprised it was better than I thought it was going to be. Storyline was a little bit lacking. That ending was very, very suspicious. But overall, I'm actually glad I, I watched it now as a, you know, older person. Um, it just gave me a little bit of perspective because obviously things that, that I thought the lines in the movie, like you pointed out that it's, she said magic mirror, not mirror mirror, you know, little things like that. So it was quite interesting watching it again. And no, I will oh, not yeah. be watching it again <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> Back into the Disney vault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, like, that was fun, but okay, we done. <laughs> no, I agree with you. That's kind of how I I feel with it too, right? Like, if, if I watched it as a little kid, I probably sat through it just as the sake of it's something animated. I'm sitting there watching TV, right? But mm. like as an adult, I can I can appreciate what they were doing and like the cinematic masterpiece of that like at the time. But uh, there's still just a lot that I just didn't like about it. And, yeah, but I mean, it's it's a classic. I mean, you can tell a lot of this stuff. That movie resonated with a lot of people. It's obviously got its own uh, stamp in Disney culture, from the parks to just Snow White in general, right? So yeah, that's good. But I don't, I don't think I'd watch it again unless my daughter uh, uh, gets excited and wants to watch it. But she walked in when we were watching it. And she looked at the TV and went, "Huh, cartoon," and then walked out. So <laughs> I, think I'm, I think I'm good with Moana for a while. <laughs> You're pretty safe, yeah. yeah. Well, that about wraps things up on this week's episode. Join us next week as we talk all things superheroes. If you like what you hear, share this podcast with your friends and come hang out with us on social media. Links are posted in the show notes. We're your hosts, Julian. Chris. Mia. As always, stay safe, stay sane, and geek out.